Nelson in looking for Garza backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. Hi, y'all. And welcome to Five Stripe Final, the only highly distributed audio discussion discussing all things Atlanta United. And there are many a thing, many a thing to discuss here on the HDAT today, brought to you by DirtySouthSoccer.com. I'm Jay Sam Jones from DirtySouthSoccer.com. Joe Patrick from DirtySouthSoccer.com is also over there. And Joe, say hey. It's the perfect weekend. It's, it's the perfect it's weekend. practically perfect in every way. Beautiful, beautiful results all around the league, in my opinion. It could get even better by the end of the night when we're recording this. Uh, we're recording this on Sunday. Red Bulls have a date with Wayne Rooney, which is never a, a good thing you want to you wanna actually have. But in this case, it could be good for us because if DC United – pulls off a result against Red Bulls we are we're sitting rather pretty right now with eight games left in this one that's all well and good but for me it was more the perfect weekend just because obviously we got the win over Orlando but mainly that it happened on a Friday night and so Uh just a nice weekend nice uh, nice for us to actually have a couple weekend nights to enjoy yeah yeah I'm sure it was even better if you actually got to sit down and and watch it live where Um, were you I I was off doing grad student things and it involved work It involved work, hard, hard work of watching a, a high school football game. But I couldn't watch the actual game. However, I was paying close attention to you tending the fire of the DSS Twitter account while I was away. And, and I do have to say admirable job for sure. For sure. Oh, thank well done. you. Thank you. How how was my the best. overall experience of that? By the way, um, didn't didn't really get to watch most of the game. Okay. Uh, I felt like my my head was my head was down um, in my phone or on my computer tweeting. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, it's difficult. It's difficult. I, I I commend the job that you do. Um, it's hard to live up to those lofty expectations that that you set. <laughs> um, the jokes, you know, really they 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 fly off. They're really easy at the at the beginning of the game, and then once things get stressful, I just can't. I I can't. I just start getting very serious, and you can you can see that trend emerge uh, if you go back and read through the tweets. That just gets more and more serious as as you see me start to worry and worry. <laughs> it does. Uh, it did get a little less lighthearted there towards the end, but then Joseph scored, and we we were doing just fine. Um, Speaking of like not being able to to see anything but your phone screen for a little bit, that may explain the analysis I put out on this show is that I've maybe <laughs> never actually seen an Atlanta United game because I've just been tweeting through it the entire time. So I, I only catch little bits. So blame that. Blame hey, Twitter. Tweeting through it. Tweeting through it's the way to go, man. Hey, yeah. Usually usually a good time. Would have been fun to be on the mic for this one. Uh, but either way, it was fun to watch from afar and just kind of see the reaction Go on as Joseph Martinez breaks the MLS record for goals in a season. 28 now, Joseph Patrick. 28 on the year for Joseph as Lanny United goes down to Orlando and pulls off a 2-1 win. I mean, that that number sounds, you know, oh, 28 goals, incredible. It like It really doesn't seem incredible. Like having watched it because we've known it's coming, right? Like we've known, we've seen it coming from a mile away 
And it's more of just like, when was it going to happen? Obviously, the players and everyone around the team has just talked about that all week as being, you know, it's just more of a formality at this point of when it was going to occur. But, you know, I, I think for more of the outside world, outside the Atlanta United bubble, it was like this big um, event that happened. And obviously, you probably couldn't catch the game. I don't know if you've watched a replay yet or not thoroughly, but like the announcers were really into it, obviously. I mean, like that was the showpiece part of the game for them was obviously to um, have this event go over their airwaves and that's what they wanted to see. And eventually, thankfully, that's what they ended up getting. Um, but to me, it didn't seem that way. I was, you know, I became much more concerned just with the result. Um, and it looked like it could go, well, I wouldn't say look like it could go either way, but it just didn't look like for a while there in the second half, um, things were going to bounce our way, but thankfully they did, but it didn't, I, I guess my overall feeling on it is like, it's not as like momentous of an occasion as I kind of thought it were i i guess maybe it doesn't feel as big to me as it feels to a lot of other people yeah i would agree it it felt much more like an inevitability than anything else like you said we saw it coming we knew it was coming everyone knew it was coming and the style in which joseph has done it we've talked about this before just how often he scores inside the six inside 12 yards it doesn't really look incredible you know, and uh, it, it, the aesthetics of it maybe weren't as remarkable as, as we were led to believe, as uh, some people around the league were freaking out a little bit. We also don't really have a great frame of reference for it, I guess. You know, you look back and look at names like Roy Lassiter being the, the name of the record holder that got broken. Who the hell is Roy Lassiter? Why He's a total matter? baller. <laughs> right besides that <laughs> um interesting note by the way about roy lassiter john fuller one of our staff writers pointed this out his son actually played against atlanta united last season um I, he he plays for the la galaxy or he did last year apparently um and i'm taking john's word for this because i haven't gone back and fact checked it but uh yeah apparently he got on the field when they came to mercedes-benz stadium so we can only assume that joseph got with him like in the tunnel or something and did fusion with him and that's what helped him helped allow him to uh break this record ah gotcha you gotta have that laster dna in you to really get off on these things I would also say that I was really happy and Tata Martino mentioned this after the game as well, but it was something I was thinking just at the at the moment in the moment was that um, I was really happy to see the goal that Joseph broke the record on was like one of his prettier, classier finishes that he's had in his Atlanta United career, really, I think, um, as opposed to one of those like ones where he typically scores where he's like sliding in on the back post or, you know, scoring one of his scrappier goals which tends to be like 80 percent of his goals are just like pure scrap and hustle um so it was nice to see that this one this one that broke the record this one that will be played over and over again was one that was uh quite beautiful i thought the 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 audacity to to go with the chip uh i just thought was incredible i thought it, it was perfect for the moment yeah you you and bobby boswell had the same sentiments he said the same sort of thing on Twitter. So if we're in Boswell company, we're in good company for sure. But no, the, the optics of it were phenomenal. Just given the situation, given that Orlando had actually decided to make this a game for a little bit there, that was concerning as I was following along. But 
seeing just the way he pulled it off with making a couple people go to ground with getting the ultimate Bendik face out of Joe Bendik. <laughs> oh, it was so good. There, there have been some great Bendik faces in the history of, of this rivalry quotation marks, but that was the Bendik face to end all Bendik faces staring into the eyes of the person who just murdered him on live television. He's just looking up at the person who just ruined his life. And Joseph is staring down, knowing, knowing he's his daddy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Incredible. Incredible. So good. Um, good. Joseph mentioning that uh, Orlando does love to come out and try to play like it's the game of their lives against Atlanta. But Joseph says, we just keep fathering them. Get fathered. Get fathered, you losers. I've never heard a more disrespectful quote, post-game quote, I think (laughs) in my entire life. It's amazing. Just beautiful. Oh, totally. Totally. Just beautiful. Yeah, you know, he he was mentioning he was pissed at Bendik earlier in the game for time-wasting, you know, in the first half, which teams have tended to do against Atlanta. And Joseph does not take kindly to that kind of thing. Um, so do it, do it, do it on, on, you know, take your own risk when you, when you do that against Joseph. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. He, he had a weird quote. I think it kind of got lost in translation. I'll go ahead and put it out there, but this is on what he said to Bendik after he scored. He said, it makes me nervous when people want to kill time. I don't like when there's a dead ball and people go take a corner and the fans start yelling things at us. What is he going to say to me? Question mark. Uh, not quite sure what you mean there, Joseph. That was a weird translation there, guys. Um, but I think he was. I, I assume he meant like wasting time. Yeah, I assume he meant like anxious, like like makes him like it gives him you know, like he just wants to get on with the game. I don't think nervous was the right word um, to translate there, but. It, 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 I, I did. My favorite part of that quote is when he just asks rhetorically what's he going to say to me because there really is nothing joe pendick can say to joseph martinez to try to gain the higher ground in this there's not anything ver- joe verbal debate say to the shop boy like bagging groceries at a kroger or excuse me florida Publix. like he he's that far on the totem pole in society at this point like who who is he better than at anything nothing nothing he's joe bendick the and funny I, thing is he, he actually made some decent saves in this game, but then he also was pretty much at fault for their collapse. I mean, the he was basically at fault for the opening goal against uh, that Leandro Gonzalez-Perez scored, which just bounced off his face. Um, <laughs> just awful. It's an even different version of Bendik face. There were, there were a multitude of Bendik faces throughout that entire thing. But yeah, he, he went for like a catch there on the bounce, and it just it didn't go well, man. It didn't go well at all. Yeah. And that service, you know, it, you got to give credit to Ezekiel Barco for that service oh, on that on that cool. free kick. And to, if we could just speak more a little bit more about Ezekiel Barco, I thought he was fantastic in this game, um, which was a great thing to see, despite the fact that I don't think he got a credit for that assist for an assist on that, because the assist really was for was from Bendik um, and he was not involved in the build up for Joseph's goal. But I still thought he was one of Atlanta's more influential players in the game. He was Lively, full of energy, running all over the place, um, retaining possession well, which Atlanta United did like 
they kept some of the best possession of the season in this game. I think the final passing numbers were like 91% completion, uh, pass completion accuracy in this game. Incredible. Um, but yeah, I thought Barco was really great. That was, and that was, you know, very good to see, obviously, from from him and his situation and everything that's going on. So very happy to see that from Barco. Were you surprised to see him start? I was. Yeah, I, I definitely was. Um but I think, it, I mean, it made sense when we saw the starting lineup that, you know, if Gressel was going to be playing right back, then obviously that opens up the spot for him to come in. I just didn't see them, you know, I didn't see that one coming. I think that was the biggest surprise for everybody. But, um, yeah, I'm glad he was able to play well. And, and speaking of Gressel, Gressel played amazing. I'm I'm not sure if anybody asked about that in, their, in our questions. I don't want to get ahead of us. But, uh, yeah, I thought he was he was fantastic in that position. I will pat myself on the back for just saying that I've always thought he's a right back. And we've been obviously saying he, that for months. <laughs> he, he you know, and I'm, I'm sure he'll have worse games. Like this wasn't the most difficult game probably for him to play at right back. You know, there are going to be teams with better wingers and, and he won't play, be just playing right back strictly from here on out either. But um, yeah, I thought he showed that he can handle the position well, at least in the early stages of as he's, you know, I don't even want to say continue or starting to learn the position because he has said that he's played fullback uh, when he was in Germany. So um, he knows how to play. He basically knows how to play any position on the field, to be honest. But uh, yeah, it was just very optimistic signs from him. Absolutely. Absolutely. We had a few questions about that too. And we'll get to them in a second. Did want to look over the, the possession numbers you were talking about 62, 38 possession in favor of Atlanta and that 91% passing accuracy. Pretty darn impressive there. It was close on the scoreline, but statistically looking up and down the box score, man, we it could have been worse. The XG, too. I think Ben Bayer dropped the XG. It was something oh, yeah. like it should have been 4 nothing based on the chances or 3 nothing based on the chances. Yeah, and I and I actually went back and rewatched the game and I don't I don't quite know about how how highly I would rate some of those chances. I mean, I know one of them was like a rebound uh, that fell to Joseph in front of goal, but it was still like kind of a scrappy chance. But And I could see why on XG that it would come up as like a huge chance, but right. I'm not sure if it was that great. And then obviously the big miss chance he had was that one that Tito drilled right to his feet that he kind of uh, fumbled up there. But yeah, I mean, it, it was what, what really surprised me was how few XG Orlando had in the game because I, I don't know they seem dangerous to me actually going forward on the counter and I guess I what happens I feel like what tends to happen against Atlanta is that Atlanta actually doesn't concede many shots but the shots that they do concede are usually quite good and they concede a lot um, but Orlando didn't really get many shots off they did, didn't have any single good chances like inside or even near the six yard box and obviously the one goal they scored was a, a stunning goal from Scott Sutter to be honest yeah, and my reaction is with anything Scott Sutter does is who's who's Scott Sutter? Pretty much every time I, I saw that name come up, I was like, "Who is that again?" I had to look it up. Apparently, he's English or British. Yeah. yeah, one of six shots on the day for Orlando. By the way, I was looking back at you know speaking of uh, Atlanta's possession and and retention, the numbers are quite incredible um, in terms of just looking going player by player. Eric Rometty, four incomplete passes in the game. Michael Parkhurst, two incomplete. Julian Gressel, six incomplete. Leandro Gonzalez Perez, three incomplete. Laurentowitz, three incomplete. Like, and all these guys had like, you know, over 60 passes, uh, except for Jeff Laurentowitz there that I mentioned. So it's just amazing that they were just able to pass the ball around and um, 
that was one thing. Uh, is it O'Connor? I don't. I don't even remember his first name. The the, the Orlando coach who looks barfy. Hamez <laughs> O'Connor. <laughs> yeah, he was pretty. Um, he was very upset after the game. I heard his post game <laughs> comments saying that he, you know, expected more and wanted to do it for the fans and all that. And it's like oh. I felt like it was grandstanding by him, to be honest. I'm looking at the quote sheet, and I do want to talk a bit about about James O'Connor, who the it, I was stuck in traffic from this high school football game I was leaving, right? So I'm just listening to the 92.9 post-game wrap-up. My Conti, Jason Longstork, doing a great job as always. But they broadcasted the O'Connor press conference, and it's the first time I've heard him talk. I've seen his face, and his face, just the expression on it, I, I referred to it earlier in the week as James O'Connor looks like a man who's constantly about to throw up all over you. He just kind of looks like he, if he took one more step or if he breathed the wrong way, immediately projectile vomit everywhere. He just constantly looks like he's he's nervous and wants to just expel everything from his body. Once you mentioned that, now that's the only thing I can see. And you're totally right. It's spot <laughs> you on. You can't get over it, right. Then I heard him talk, and the description I came up with was like elderly Irish gnome in a Disney movie. <laughs> sounds like he sounds like he's eighty years old, but then you could you pair it with an Irish kind of is he Irish or Scottish? I don't know. I think he's Irish. You pair it with that Irish accent, and the whole thing comes together for like a angry sidekick in a Disney movie that like a character comes across and at first they're really surly, but then by the end you realize they have a great heart. He sounds like that, which makes everything sound really, really silly. And his depression coupled with that silliness and his voice made for a wonderful listen. It really did. Yeah, totally. I don't, I have nothing to add. He's, he's a character. He's a caricature. He's only won one game since he's been in charge as well. Uh, I've seen some rumblings already that is he even going to be retained next year? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. He is funny because he mentioned he said uh, I, I, he alluded in the postgame press conference about like things he wants to do next year or whatever. I think he's kind of trying to position himself to be in that role as a head coach. But I don't know if they're going to want to keep him. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what he's done to really earn it other than just kind of have the job at this point. It's not like the defense has gotten better. It's not like anything's really gotten better for them. Reminder, yeah. one, one game since early May. So the, the losing streak started on May 13th when we beat him the first time. Uh, book into that now, but they had the one win against Toronto, which is hilarious because good lord, Toronto, <laughs> what are you doing? But now they're in last place in the East. They are if San Jose had it collapsed last night, they would have been really close to dropping to last in the entire league. Uh, but man, it's bad. Colorado has more points than them, Joe. Colorado. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, Colorado lost what eight to nothing last night. Oh, did that? I didn't. I didn't even watch. I, I was. Oh gosh, hold on. I'm gonna check that Colorado score. It was bad. 
I was actually living a, a, a human life instead of uh, watching the Colorado Rapids on a Saturday night. I wasn't watching the Colorado Rapids. <laughs> I was getting updates through the Twitter sphere and whatnot. Six nothing, Real Salt Lake. Oh my gosh. That's the team. That's the team that has more points than Orlando City at this point. But, you know, Orlando City has Scott Sutter and a good arts and crafts department. So they got that going for them, which is nice. Yeah. Good for them. All right, 2-1 win in this one. You guys had questions about it, and some good questions here coming from all over the place. Uh, we will start with the question from Michael Ruiz, who asked, Bendick face or Martinez stare? What's better? What's better? Oh, well, I guess, yeah, Bendick face is, <clears throat> it has its, you know, they're, they're great in different ways. It's like it's like this is like apples to oranges because Bendik face is totally hilarious. Martinez face is, you know, a different emote. It's a different, you know, emotion that that derives. I think um, what do you derive you, more joy from what makes you, you know, happy? Bendik face, Bendik face. OK, OK. For me, it's Bendik face. I think I would agree. I don't know. There's some schadenfreude with it, I think, because. Yeah, because when you see Bendik face, you know something very good for Atlanta United has happened, or whoever Orlando's opponent is on the night, um, which is always fun. Which it's is also good for Atlanta United. Bendik face is inherently good thing, right? So I'll go with Bendik face, and much more memeable. I feel like it was nice. You did a great, you did a great tweet during that where you like screenshotted the the Bendik face portion of that video I made for your video. Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that made me laugh really, really hard. It was beautiful. Um, well done. Well done on that. I'm, I'm going to agree with Bendik Face as well. Uh, this next question comes from Gabe Gonzalez. How are we doing, Gabe? Uh, rate Barco's performance in his first game back as a starter. Did you see any big noticeable impact from him, Joe Patrick? Yeah, we've already talked about him a little bit. I thought he was great. And I wanted to add um, couple, uh, one more interesting note. So I've got a list of the the highest pass combinations of okay. two Atlanta United players. Um, and two of the top three involved Barco. The number one pass combination was McCann to Barco. And the number two combination was Barco to Remedy. Uh, Remedy. So I think that just shows how involved he was. And I think what we're seeing from Barco this season, at least with the current construct of this squad, when you have players like Elmron who wants to get forward and get into the box to help support Joseph, um, and also a guy like Tito Vijalba on the other side, who's kind of operates as like a, a striker, basically, uh, definitely as a pure forward. Barco is definitely much more involved in buildup um, than I think a lot of us anticipated, right? I think a lot of us, especially when he comes in as the um, the record signing in MLS, you expect him to be scoring goals and making assists and doing all these things um, that are like clear, tangible production stats, you know? Right. Like, uh, but what, really what we've seen from him is being much more helpful to the team in terms of keeping the ball, recycling possession. And I think you can make the case that you probably want a little more from somebody who's, you know, supposed to be so valuable to the team. But considering the players he has around him, there's no need for him to try to force the issue and be doing things that doesn't really help the team. And I think... Right now, what he is doing, which is doing these things in, in build up, is helping the is giving the team, you know, the biggest benefit possible. So um, I thought he was I thought he was really good, really looked really lively, uh, had good energy, which you would expect from a guy who hasn't you know played a lot of minutes lately. So 
yeah, I thought he was good. Yeah, I think we were all surprised by how much Darlington Nagby he had in him with as far as just circulating and everything like that. I think we all expected an Assad upgrade, and we didn't get that. And I think that's thrown a lot of people off, but he's still valuable for what he does in a big way, especially with, with Nagby out of the lineup, I think, which is another question we'll get to in a little bit. But it's it's still very, very effective, and from everything I've gathered, he was very good. Yeah, I think, I, I, yeah, you're you're totally right that Assad is like a much more direct player, right? Who wants to go at goal and you know create something in the final third, and I think that you know it's good for Barco at least um, if we're looking at this optimistically to say that at the age of 19 he's already shown that he's very good at kind of <clears throat> some of the more fundamental things when it comes to operating in the attack in terms of keeping possession and not losing the ball so much. Although he does lose it at times, but I feel like the times that he does lose the ball is when he goes forward and tries to like go one-on-one versus somebody. Um, He'll just like make a dumb mistake. So, and I'm not trying to say that he's like the perfect player or anything, but I think that like, if you were to compare him and Assad at the same age, I think that Barco is like considerably more, uh, more advanced as a player than, than a player like Assad. Four years ago, you know. Absolutely. And I think uh, a large part of the question going forward is just will we see him hold on to that spot? Because you've got to think he's stuck there now, right? This this is his spot in the lineup now. And unless he does something else goofy, which I can't imagine he does, again, like dude's learned his lesson. I'm positive after a month out. This is his spot throughout the rest of the year. He's going to start. Yeah, I, I I think you're probably right. Um, and it just shows, and we're going to get to this because we have some more questions about this, but it just shows, you know, we've talked about the selection issues that Tata Martino has. And those selection issues will just keep on evolving. You know, like before we thought, you know, before this game, we thought, oh, is it going to be Gressel or Barco? And now it's looking like, is it going to be Gressel or Escobar? You know, so yep. um, we'll just, yeah. We'll, we'll it, that'll just keep evolving. And I'm sure at some point it'll be between, you know, two other players. Um, once when more players start getting healthy and things like that. So speaking of Gressel and Escobar, this next question comes from Richie Rich on the Twitters. Uh, we've already talked a bit about it, but he asked, how did Gressel do at right back? And who would you prefer between him and Escobar? Personally, I prefer Escobar, but Gressel has been the main supplier for Martinez. And I want to double up with this question. I want to pair this with another one from Chirp Street, who says, Escobar missing the next few weeks is a blessing in disguise. Gressel can now develop it right back, and the five stripes will have an offensive juggernaut formation for the playoffs. Then they can plug in Escobar if a more defensively stout lineup is needed. Thoughts? Um, yeah, I agree with Chirp Street. Okay. And I think that, you know, what I really like about what we're seeing from Gressel and what we've seen from Escobar so far this season is that they are very different types. They have very different skill sets from that position. Right. So Gressel is a guy who will, yeah, give you better service. He's not as athletic, still serviceable enough. I'm not trying to say he's unathletic, but Escobar is is definitely a guy who will uh, has a lot of physicality, will throw his body around, is is, is pretty pacey. Um Wow, did I just say Pacey? Wow, okay. Um, Gressel's a guy, you know, I, I really liked what we saw from him. Less so about, you know, I kind of expected him to be swinging in a lot of crosses, you know, from that wing spot 
um, when when Atlanta was in possession. He really didn't do that that much, from what I recall. Um, he seemed to you know just be recycling the possession a lot from those wide spaces. And I really liked you know the, like the way he was involved for Joseph's goal. What we saw from him there, where he was making an underlapping run, or or he kind of he he moved inside, and that's something you might not see from a guy like Escobar. Um, Julian Gressel has a, you know just a little bit more vision, a little bit more. Um, connection with the with the forwards from having played with them and played you know in those positions more this season so I think that yeah you're right that um against like a weaker opposition you might want to put Gressel there and against you know a team that has um, a, a more attacking winger um even if it's not a great team but if it's like a team like Montreal or something uh with a, a Piotti type player you want to make sure you have locked down you know you could play a guy like Escobar so um, yeah, I think they both offer value. I think that both are options at this point to play the position. So I think it's only a good thing for Tata Martino. I think my frame of mind right now looking forward is what lineup lets us beat Red Bulls? Because that's my biggest <laughs> concern. Well, let's talk about that. Yeah. So my question is fully loaded, fully loaded Atlanta United. Who do we put out against Red Bulls? And we'll start with that right back position. You want you want to do whole lineup? Let's just let's just let's just look at the right back for now since I we're think, talking okay. about it. Yeah, at like, right back I would play Escobar. Fight. I would play Escobar there. You play Escobar. Yeah, I think I would agree. Just for the defensive aspect of it, because you're gonna have people bombing forward. With and me. I think come the playoffs, I think come playoffs you will probably see Escobar start most of those games if like if this is the situation that it's coming down to. Um, at the right back position, I think that you probably will see Escobar because it's so nice to have Gressel on the bench. Um, he's a very valuable bench piece because of his versatility, right? right? If you need a more attacking option at right back later in the game, you can put him there, but also he can come in for a different position uh, if you need. So, and he can, you know, you can bring a guy like Gressel onto the field and change the shape, and that can kind of give you a boost sometimes in game. So, um, I think he is very valuable as a bench player, and I think that that will kind of maybe work against him in terms of his minutes in the playoffs, unfortunately for him. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that's, that's one reason you might see that. I would agree. I would agree. Joe, Joe, we have hmm. breaking news. Are you serious? No. Well, it's not so much breaking news <laughs> as it is breaking trash coming from one of our, one of our dear, dear listeners. And this has happened right as we were talking about this. Uh, Zach Lane, good old Zach Lane. You may know him as Zach Attack on Twitter, at Zach Attack. He says, this isn't a question so much as it is a reminder that I was calling for Gressel at right back about five months ago. And Joe thought it was a bad idea. Zach, what show have you been listening to? (laughs) What? What Zach? How dare, Zach, how dare you, Zach? Gressel right back for longer than you. We we were OG Gressel right back. How dare you? How dare you? It sounds like I'm listening to a show that like I don't know sells merch or something. <laughs> I, I you know I, I don't deny that I probably have said like for a specific game maybe that he uh, he should be you know playing somewhere else. Don't but on don't the whole, let I, I, we, you. Yeah, you know what? You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Gressel is a right back long term. I've been saying it since day one. In your face, Zach. In your face. 
Uh, we have a couple more lineup questions going through here as well. Do we really want to touch on them right now? Because we just kind of, I'm not sure how much it relates to Orlando. We can, we can touch on it a previous show. We're going to, let's save it. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. we just don't know. We, we're still waiting for Nagby and Garza and the rest to get back into training before we really even have to even think. Right. Let's let's not put the cart before the horse here, to be honest. You know, let, let's let's not, you know, we also don't want to curse anybody. Exactly. Which we've been prone to do for for ages. <laughs> yes. Um, this one comes from Elijah Newsom, and he asks, is it rude or disrespectful that Orlando City didn't acknowledge the record being broken? It's common courtesy to at least mention a record being broken. Uh, he also says, I was at the game. Maybe I didn't hear it through all the cheering. Uh, frankly, I'm totally cool with them not mentioning it at all. Like, I wouldn't, if like Will Johnson had broken the record for, for whatever Will Johnson could possibly break the record for, uh, I, I would rather them not mention it at the home stadium if it happened against us. Um, I kind of thought the rest of the acknowledgement around the league was a little weird. Too like San Jose. I don't know if you saw this, Joe. San Jose put out a video of Chris Wondolowski like saying, "Great job, congrats on breaking my record," all that kind of thing. Um, That's gross. It was kind of like, "Hey, remember when we were relevant?" That's how I took the. <laughs> yeah. That's how I took the video, and I, I thought like a nice tweet from Wanda would have been been enough. Red Bulls handed it well. Uh, just Bradley Wright Phillips sent a quick message uh, to Joseph, and that's. It over Twitter, just a nice tweet, just a nice tweet. Uh, yeah, I I don't see any real reason for the rest of the league to, to acknowledge it, especially not Orlando City. I think there would have been a, an absolute riot at that stadium had they acknowledged that. At the time. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe that's Imagine. why. Maybe they made the conscious decision to help the police by not saying anything. Yeah, of course. Um, at this point, I think they're just broken more than anything. I'm not sure Orlando City fans have much fight left in them it, it's it's veering towards ennui and apathy at this point Poor yeah guys. and i think i do think that they they had a, a small delay in the game um it wasn't too long but i think it was just a little delay and i think it was probably requested by the tv broadcasters and, and um media people that they could have some time to kind of you know show show the highlights of the of the goal and talk about it a little bit and stuff like that um I'm not. Yeah, I guess Elijah is correct in saying that like there was no announcement from the PA announcer or on the scoreboards or anything like that that of, of the record. And I'm with you on that one. I would just, I would just as rather them not talk about it unless it was a home game. Yep, yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree, and I think you can see you, you've seen it before in things like baseball and, and basketball when there are like a million games in a year. But when you have kind of a limited amount of of opportunities to come to games and see things like this there's less uh less time for posturing and and glad handing and other things like that to kind of make it look fancy than it actually is and like we mentioned before the whole aesthetic of it for us the whole mindset of it for us was kind of oh he scored again every game it's all good same old same old uh speaking more about the record they this one comes from andrew freeman this thought more than a question um, they said all week that they weren't trying to think about the record, but there were a couple of times you could definitely tell they were trying to feed Joseph the ball. Is this true, Joe Patrick? Um, yes, I think that is true. I think it definitely looked like they were trying to feed him. Um, I'm not like I'm not surprised that they would say that they're not concerned about the record. 
And I think to an extent, like, I think both things can kind of be true, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I'm with Andrew in that I definitely felt like they were trying to force it a little bit to Joseph. Um, there were players that had some opportunities to take shots and they didn't. Maybe that was just, you know, they were just trying to play smart soccer or whatnot. But um, yeah, I, w- I, w- I would say they were trying to feed him. And I think that there was probably also a little bit of, you know, misdirection to what they were saying to the media. But you wouldn't expect. I mean, that's just normal team talk, right? Like that's just normal, like responsible right. media handling. Like you're not going to go out and say, yeah, we're trying to get him the record, blah, blah, blah. I don't think you would. it would be smart to do that. No, not at all. But th- they did acknowledge that he had seen the little on edge. This comes from Tata Martino in the post game press conference. I'm sure Doug Roberson asking the questions there from the AJC. Uh, but he says, with Joseph, we knew he was going to break the record. It was just a matter of if he could do it sooner or later. The good thing is he did it sooner. Now this will calm him down. On top of that, he did it with a very nice goal. Uh, and he goes on to mention a couple of times that he's just going to Calm down a bit. He says this will calm him down, and he's lost that anxiety now that he's got the record. So Tata could tell there was a little bit of uh, nerves there, a little bit of anxiousness to kind of get the record off his back and on to the next thing. And now really, what else does Joseph Martinez have to prove this year? Nothing. Right. Dude can just focus on going out there and, and getting the win. Well, the, the the thing that really pointed out to me that that – the team definitely was thinking about it was Joseph talked about it after the game. He said, yeah, at halftime, basically his teammates were like giving him shit for not having broken the record. <laughs> and, uh, and then he was like, yeah, now, now that I've broken, I can make jokes back to them. But like, he said that like at halftime is the, his teammates were, were like, you know, yeah. Talking about it. So obviously it was something that they were trying to do. Amazing. Amazing. God bless this team. God bless this team. All right, Joe Patrick. Any, uh, speak, hold any- on, speak. Yeah, I do have some final thoughts. And speaking of quotes, what the hell is a baby comes with bread under their arm? Yeah, I didn't. I w- didn't want to plug that in at the first part of that quote, but the full quote, the first two lines of uh, Tata talking about Joseph Martinez is congratulations to both of them. I think in the U.S. there's a saying: a baby comes with bread under the arm. I think Amelia came with a goal under the arm. Okay, many things here. Many questions. Many questions. <laughs> the first of them being, who's Amelia? Who? Oh, I know. It's Leandro Gonzalez Perez's baby. Ah, okay. Wonderful. Okay, well, that's... But we're talking about Joseph. I don't understand. I don't understand. <laughs> uh, well, that's good. That's okay. Good for Amelia. So that probably clears... Uh, but he, the most confusing part to me, he says, in the U.S., there's a saying, a baby comes with bread under the arm that must be an argentine saying correct like that there i've never heard that i've never and heard i still it don't know what American it is context i completely understand what he's saying it's it's our version of like a, a silver spoon in the mouth um but that seems a lot more bougie than than bread which makes sense for america i guess um a- the the phrase a baby comes with bread under the arm sounds like a like a mistranslated Google translate. <laughs> One of those where you've like, like put it back and forth between the translate like a few yeah. times. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A baby comes with bread. I think that might be the new official motto of Five Strike Final. Hmm. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, we can like put, it. we can put it on our club seal or whatever that we make whenever we get around to it. Uh, it'll be on the t shirts we're never selling. 
everyone else can use Kiero Cantar Contigo, and we'll use A Baby Comes with Bread Under the Arm. I love it. What does it mean? Who knows? Do we love it? Yes. Yes, we it's do. It's up for interpretation, in my opinion. Yeah, broad. Broad. It's an abstract piece of art. Interpret it how you want. Project your own feelings onto that quote. Any other final thoughts, Joe Patrick? Can we, can we talk about J.A. Patrick 2000? Yes! I, okay, I thought about bringing this up at the beginning of the show, but I, I couldn't quite squeeze it in. Uh, we had a we had an intruder. We had a spy in the midst. I don't know quite he what tried, was... He, he, he tried to become between me and Sam. He did. He did. He, he tried, slid into your DMs. Get some things. So Joe Patrick, our dear friend Joe Patrick, who is alive and well and right next to me right now, in a spiritual way, has a Twitter handle, as many of us do, that is J.A. Patrick 200. Go ahead and follow him at J.A. Patrick 200. Some conniving individual who I haven't figured out their motives yet made an account on Twitter with a handle J.A. Patrick 2000, right? Throw an extra zero behind it. Make the same profile picture, make the same bio, but none of the tweets, none of the everything else that goes along with the wonderful J.A. Patrick 200 Twitter account. But on appearances, it looks exactly like it. It looks exactly like it. So when I received a DM in the Twitters that I had to go to the request for from Joe Patrick, I was very confused because Joe Patrick has messaged me before and I didn't have to do any request thing because we follow each other. We follow each other because we care about each other. So I thought that was weird. And so it got weirder. The question was, Sam, I have forgotten the Twitter password for DSS. Can you send along the login login in information? It was login and then in. It was a typo. <laughs> and so I said, new phone, who dis? <laughs> luckily so, because if I had not looked at anything, I would have totally sent along the, the Twitter information, even though it was weird that it wasn't over our Slack channel or anything like that. Um, so we, we had someone trying to, to cop the DSS information for likely nefarious purposes there, Joe Patrick. I, I wonder who it could have been. I wonder who it could have been. I don't know, man. I don't know. They seem to have been... I don't know, they shared with me very quickly that they had tricked Rob Ushery. <laughs> He's going to be mad at us for mentioning this. <laughs> they had tricked Rob Ushery into thinking that um, you had just now followed Dirty South Soccer on Twitter. So Rob sees the notification that Joe Patrick 2000 has followed and immediately assumes that it's you and goes, well, thanks Joe for finally following us after, you know, running the site for the last six months or whatever you've been doing. Um, so yeah, no, they were, they were quick to, to send that information along. Um, I halfway believe it was like an Atlanta United fan that thought they were being funny, but I just want to remind everyone that's not you or me and anyone else that writes for DSS. None of you are funny. None of you. <laughs> and you should never try to be funny. And this especially wasn't funny in any way. Um, God, it, it just like at least try to be clever with it. Do something interesting. Lord. The other more fun option, though, than one of our terrible, terrible fans being their normal selves is that it was an Orlando fan trying to get in on the inside and tweet some weird shit. 
yeah, it, it just came off at the end of it all. It just came off as very like weak and timid and pitiful, honestly. Um, yeah. I know Rob was sharing with me. He got he was getting some spam too that day, so it was pretty funny to see the uh, the doxers and the you know the internet trolls coming out. It was, it was it was my first experience with it, so it was uh, fun to experience. Yeah, I guess what we're saying is keep your head on a swivel, and just remember that in America, a baby is born with bread under their arm. Just remember, just remember. Absolutely. My final thought here, Joe Patrick, is, and I kind of mentioned at the top of the show, this could be a near perfect week weekend for us. We had the draw in the Hudson River Derby. We had the win against Orlando with Joseph breaking the record, and tonight, God willing. If Wayne Rooney and Yamil Assad put something together, and Lucho Acosta, for that matter, who's been very good, put something together and pull off a point of any kind against New York Red Bulls, this could be a near perfect week weekend for us as we head down the home stretch. This is the home stretch, man. We're, we're more than three quarters away through the season. Only eight games left for us in the regular season, and Supporter Shield on the horizon. It's, it's starting to look pretty good, especially with our upcoming schedule, which is full of. Colorado's and San Jose's and, and other terrible, terrible teams. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's going to be an exciting, exciting month here up ahead. It, it, this is the, it's it feels like the playoffs, right? It feels like you got to be watching. You know, obviously, you're going to be watching every Atlanta and the Iowa game, but obviously, you have to be keeping tabs on all of our competitors because and those games are just as important. So, it's an exciting time in MLS. Exciting, exciting, good stuff. Good stuff. Joe Patrick, did we have a Lorenowitz man of the night from this one? Um, I would personally give it to Jeff Lorenowitz. Oh, um, I love it. He had he had three incomplete passes. He led the he he led all players on the field in tackles with six. He was and he had a he was very efficient with them. He was six for eight. I don't know he just seemed like almost every time Orlando broke forward, he was just like a freaking brick wall, man. Like they would run right into him and he was just coming into challenges so hard, not leaving his feet, but just bodying people. Um, and he, 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 I thought he was, you know, extremely efficient. Very good. A classic Lorenowitz performance. Absolutely. Yeah, to- totally. That's, that's Lorenowitz man of the night in its purest form. Jeff, your check is in the mail. God, so good. So good. I do thank you. I do want to thank you too. I mentioned this earlier in, in private, but I do want to mention in public. Just thank you for for reminding him that he wasn't allowed to score while I was away. Uh, it, it really meant a lot. It would have been so wrong. It would have been so cruel and so wrong. God, I had this whole plan though Which, that I was if he if it did happen miraculously somehow that I was just gonna be oblivious to it. And <laughs> act like it never happened, just to just to mess with people, it would have been a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> but he's saving it for later in the year, like he had last year. And I'm going to be there and in person and and on the Twitter for it. And I'm going to play the character and lose my mind. That's going to be a lot of fun. So hang tight for that, guys. Hang tight for that. All right. Anything else? I think that's it. Sweet. That'll move us to our final segment of the night. Our quote of the night comes from one of my new personal heroes Hamas O'Connor J-O-C as we like to call him and I'm going to do my best to do my my O'Connor elderly gnome in an Irish Disney movie voice in just a moment as soon as wave, I get mentally prepared for this wave, wave your hand in front of your face you know calm yourself 
Obviously very disappointed. It was a game we wanted to try and win for the supporters. Very disappointed. Extremely disappointed. <laughs> wow. That's all I have to say about that. Thank you. Thank you. I do what I can. I do, I do voice work. I do voice work for a living. Contact me. All right. That'll He's on do Fiverr. It. What? Huh? Fiverr. That's it's like the voiceover. Uh... Never mind. <laughs> anyway, shout out to Lucy Dawkins. Shout out to Phoebe Bridger. Shout out to Julian Baker. Shout out to Mitski. Shout out to Kamasi Washington. And shout out to LeVar Burton. I know you're listening. Shout out Jorge Fuehler. Shout out Justin Belhui. Shout out Kevin Egan. Julian Sackvitz. Julian Sackvitz. Excuse me. Dan Gargan and Seal for our great outro music last week. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Big thanks to Seal as always. We got a big one. DC United coming up next Sunday. We'll have a preview show uh, up for that sometime this week. Stay tuned on the Twitter sphere and whatnot. Go ahead and rate us five stars on iTunes. We did a great job. This show was kick ass. Uh, we were we were just really, really good today. Rate us five stars on iTunes. We haven't picked one up in a while, guys. It's, it's kind of fun. Please clap. Please clap. Please clap. Anyway, do that. Follow us on Twitter. Follow Dirty South Soccer on Twitter and check Dirty South Soccer for all your Atlanta United content because it's real good. And go read Joe Patrick's piece over on The Athletic about Joe Martinez. It's very, very good. Go read that. We're very proud of him. He did a good job. Good work, Joe. Thanks, Sam. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, y'all. That'll do it. Check y'all later. Bye, y'all. See ya. My found